Due to the graphic nature of this cult's crimes, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of sexual assault that some people may find offensive. We advise caution for children under 13. On March 18, 2004, around 300 armed Romanian officers stormed the Bucharest headquarters of the Movement of Spiritual Integration into the Absolute, also known as MISA. While MISA had marketed itself as a place for meditation and mindfulness, the authorities had been tipped off that the group's guru, 52-year-old Gregorian Bivolaru, had trafficked and sexually abused girls as young as 15. Now the officers were determined to find proof. Unfortunately, in the coming days, justice would remain elusive as Gregorian would use his network of devotees to slip away. And in the coming years of legal battles and public outrage, his followers would continue to stand by his side. No amount of evidence could break their faith in their guru. Hi, I'm Greg Polson. And I'm Vanessa Richardson. And this is Yoga Cults, Gurus and Guides, a ParCast Thanksgiving special presented by cults. We're looking at the stories of yoga practitioners who use the quest for enlightenment to manipulate their students into doing the unthinkable. In part one of this three-episode special, we're following Gregorian Bivolaru, a yoga guru from Romania who reportedly accumulated tens of thousands of followers across Europe starting in the 1990s. We'll explore Gregorian's yoga teachings, which ranged from the pedestrian to the truly bizarre. We'll also follow along as he rises to prominence and the Romanian government catches wind of his shocking misdeeds. We have all that coming up. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth. While yoga has spiritual roots in Hinduism and Buddhism, a large percentage of people who practice today don't subscribe to those faiths. For many, yoga has become a secular movement for mindful meditation and exercise. But even for non-religious followers, receptivity, open-mindedness, and above all, devotion are essential. Unfortunately for some, that devotion can be dangerously manipulated when it's entrusted to a teacher with nefarious intentions, like Gregorian Bibolaro. Although Gregorian would one day amass tens of thousands of followers, his early life was difficult. He grew up in the shadow of Romania's communist regime in the 1950s and 60s, 
and was raised by a single mother in the small town of Tartasheshti. Gregorian became fascinated with Eastern philosophy as a teenager. Whenever he wasn't in school, he spent hours in libraries reading everything he could about the topic. He gravitated towards yoga and meditation rather quickly. At the time, both practices were uncommon in Romania. That was probably because the majority of the population identified as Orthodox Christians. Eastern beliefs were considered somewhat sacrilegious. But Gregorian saw salvation in these alternative philosophies. His waking hours became consumed with thoughts of enlightenment, and soon so did his dreams. Gregorian had a recurring dream of being high up in the mountains of Nepal. Among the sweeping vistas of snow-capped peaks and river valleys, he saw himself as a Tibetan yogi. He imagined a life full of meditation and intense yoga to nourish his spirit. These visions were stark, frequent, and impactful, and Gregorian interpreted them as something of a calling. Not long afterward, he began practicing yoga. He spent hours studying and perfecting the art. As he progressed, his slight-framed body grew limber and lean. In 1971, Gregorian's practice paid off when he seemingly made a spiritual breakthrough. While the specifics of this revelation have not been confirmed, it's clear that Gregorian felt that practicing yoga had helped him reach a new level of being. It was also during this time that Gregorian was employed as a postmaster. After graduating from high school, he accepted this low-paid position in order to pursue his real passion of yoga. And eventually, Gregorian began teaching yoga classes. It's possible that at first there weren't many in his town that were interested, but there were likely still a few curious students. And as the years passed, Gregorian cemented his reputation as the local yoga teacher. Gregorian's early teachings were likely rather basic, having students focus on mindfulness and performing standard yoga poses, also known as asanas, in order to reach enlightenment. And early on, his classes did seem to improve the lives of his followers. Vanessa is going to take over on the psychology here and throughout the episode. Please note, Vanessa is not a licensed psychologist or a psychiatrist, but we have done a lot of research for this show. Thanks, Greg. This shouldn't come as much of a surprise, but studies have found that yoga participants see many positive outcomes, from increased physical fitness to better mental health. A study from 2020 found that yoga decreased the amount of stress in participants. With these types of results, it makes sense why Gregorian students got hooked on his lessons. The benefits of yoga primed them to keep coming back. Gregorian noticed this, and while his initial message had always centered on mindfulness, Gregorian slowly expanded the scope of his teachings. He developed an interest in transcendental meditation, which involves silently repeating simple mantras. But his curiosities didn't end there. Gregorian wanted to expand his knowledge of the esoteric. To further his studies, he began reading the works of Mircea Eliade, a Romanian philosopher who chose to go into exile rather than find himself in trouble with the incoming communist regime. Eliade coined the term hierophany, which refers to a manifestation of the sacred in the human realm. He believed that these breakthroughs of the sacred are recorded in religious myths, where divine forces are embodied as living heroes or sacred objects. Eliade had also written a landmark book on yoga that proved to be an important window into the subject in the West. Gregorian claims the two exchanged letters, and if that's true, Gregorian no doubt asked him about this book. 
During this time, Gregorian was using his job to engage in underground activities. Through his postal network, he smuggled in erotic materials as well as texts on yoga and Eastern philosophy, actions that the communist government felt undermined them. In 1976, the Securitata stormed Gregorian's house and arrested the 24-year-old guru. They found 44 pornographic pictures and accused him of exchanging explicit material with others. There was little Gregorian could do to refute the charges, but he didn't seem to feel guilty. If anything, he felt that looking at erotic images was harmless, part of his innate right to free thought. Nevertheless, Gregorian was sentenced to a year in prison. However, he didn't spend much time behind bars. Not long after his sentence began, Romania's dictator Ceausescu pulled a PR stunt to show his mercy and grace. He pardoned a number of petty criminals, including Gregorian. As soon as he was out of prison, Gregorian resumed his teaching. Despite his arrest, his followers were loyal as ever. If anything, it was a testament to his courage in challenging Romania's oppressive leadership. Over the next few years, more people began attending Gregorian's yoga classes. His devotees likely hovered somewhere in the dozens. And soon enough, the Romanian government was on his trail once again. This time, they took more extreme measures. On August 27, 1982, Ceausescu outlawed yoga entirely, forcing thousands to take their studies underground. While many abandoned the practice, Gregorian wasn't one of them. Instead, he continued to hold regular meetings, using the ban on yoga to promote the idea that it must be a truly liberating act. According to Gregorian's website, by this time his following had reached a record 170 members. But soon enough, the secret police were alerted. On April 17, 1984, the Securitata burst in one of Gregorian's meetings, where 17 of his followers were in attendance and arrested him. At 32 years old, Gregorian went to prison for teaching yoga without credentials and disseminating mystical literature as well as pornographic materials. What happened next is unclear. According to Gregorian, he managed to escape from prison using psychic powers he'd gained from his yoga practice. It's impossible to ascertain how he was able to pull this off, but the claim does offer a glimpse into the way Gregorian saw and presented himself. In his mind, he was an all-powerful mystic. Whether or not psychic powers were involved, Gregorian did escape from prison somehow. When he returned home, his devotees welcomed him with open arms. He served as a symbol of freedom and revolution. But five years later, in 1989, the secret police captured him again. While in custody, he was said to have, quote, lost discernment and was quickly sent to a psychiatric hospital. Gregorian claims the diagnosis was false and that he was institutionalized unfairly. His side of the story in instances like these became a key part of the personal myth he crafted. It presented Gregorian as a martyr for his cause, someone who was tested by the oppressive regime time and time again but never gave up his beliefs. But Gregorian soon found his happy ending. In December 1989, Romania's communist government crumbled. In the wake of the revolution, all of the previous government's arbitrary laws, including the ban on yoga, were lifted. For the first time in nearly a decade, 37-year-old Gregorian could practice freely without having to look over his shoulder. 
Capitalizing on his newfound freedom, in January 1990, Gregorian founded the Movement for Spiritual Integration into the Absolute, or MISA for short. In time, the emerging group would give him national notoriety and a following beyond his comprehension. Coming up, Gregorian takes advantage of his growing popularity. Pirates. For centuries, the world has been fascinated by them. In films like Pirates of the Caribbean, they're portrayed as swaggering anti-heroes. In books like Treasure Island, they're fearsome villains. But who were they really? That's the question that Real Pirates, the new Spotify original from Parcast, answers. The whole thing about a pirate ship is that they were heavily manned. But you could have 100 pirates on board, so these are floating violence factories. At the same time, pirates were really fascinating characters, in a way. If you were born poor, you stayed poor. Pirates, on the other hand, they were able to transcend that social boundary. They didn't see themselves just as thieves and brigands, they saw themselves as social revolutionaries. Set sail under the black flag, alongside notorious outlaws like Blackbeard, Charles Vane, Anne Bonny, and Mary Reed. Join us for episodes airing weekly starting November 15th. Follow and listen to Real Pirates for free on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, The gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. In 1990, Gregorian Bivolaru found resounding success amid the fall of communism. Throughout Romania, people were clamoring for new ideas to cling to, and Gregorian supplied them with both freedom and structure. Gregorian's educational center, MISA, promoted yoga as a life-altering practice, but he also began to remix his original Eastern teachings with ideas of his own. Gregorian began teaching that everything must be done in the service of a higher spiritual power, which he simply called the divine. His beliefs seemed to encompass a wide range of religious traditions. He name-dropped the Christian trinity and Hindu deities in the same breath. While the message seemed contradictory, Gregorian likely made his teachings holistic and broad in an effort to capture as wide an audience as possible. And from the outset, he was successful. Gregorian's ever-expanding following emboldened him to take new liberties within the organization. He created a hierarchy for his students, distinct tiers of enlightenment that took time and loyalty to progress through. Gregorian, of course, was at the top. Directly below him were his most trusted members, those who had been with him for years. As the following grew, he put them in charge of teaching dozens of other classes throughout Romania. By the end of 1990, Misa exploded beyond the country's borders and into the rest of Europe. In Denmark, for example, a satellite group named Nata set up shop. While they had a different name, they directly followed Gregorian's guidance. Though the extent of his involvement isn't clear, Gregorian was likely able to use these schools as cash cows to raise even more money for Misa and, in turn, for himself. More than financial gain, though, the international schools also enlarged Gregorian's sphere of influence, 
while making the core group in Romania seem more elite. From what we can tell, general level one members of MISA participated in courses that covered theory, basic poses, meditations, and a dietary plan. But Gregorian opened exclusive teachings to his experienced students and instructors in training. He likely marketed them as opportunities for only the most qualified to deepen their spiritual understanding. Preying on people's desire to feel special, Gregorian would validate them and promise ascension before revealing what his higher practice required, tantric meditations. While it's commonly believed that Tantra is inherently sexual, that's not exactly the case. While Tantra originally began as an ancient Indian philosophy, focusing on the worship of Hindu goddess Shakti through various rituals, it has since taken on many different forms and traditions. In general, tantric meditation relies on breath and embodiment techniques that awaken the kundalini, a form of divine feminine energy located at the base of the spine. As kundalini travels up the spine, it opens the main energy centers of the body, known as chakras, until it finally brings a state of enlightenment. While sex can be one of the ways to achieve this enlightenment, it's not the only one. However, in Gregorian's teachings, tantric sex often took center stage. He believed that through acts of sexual gratification, someone could achieve a supreme level of enlightenment known in Hindu yoga as samadhi. From here, things only got stranger. Gregorian decided he wouldn't permit just anyone to perform these special rituals on women. Before a female follower was allowed to perform tantric sex with others, she had to first be initiated directly by him. To ease his female devotees into the manipulative practice, Gregorian would isolate them from the community for several days. They usually were placed in an apartment or room that Misa owned. Gregorian likely knew this would make his victims less likely to challenge him. According to a 2020 study led by Dr. Livia Tomova, people begin to crave social interactions after being isolated in a similar way that fasting causes hunger as humans were wired for connection. The more time Gregorian's followers spent away from their community, it's probable that they were more willing to accept engagement from him in any form. To further groom these women, Gregorian had them focus on their sexuality, by consuming aphrodisiacs, practicing yoga, and watching erotic films. At some point, their guru would finally arrive. What happened next became a highly guarded secret within Misa. According to some participants, the initiation was a highly charged experience that lasted anywhere from one to eight hours. During this time, Gregorian emphasized the importance of orgasm to reach samadhi. At the end of the session, Gregorian instructed the women to do one last thing, drink his urine. Gregorian believed that since the fluid had traveled through his body, it contained information from his person. As the guru who had achieved enlightenment, his urine held useful properties. Fully under Gregorian's spell, these women complied and drank it. After that, he said they'd completed their initiation. They were free to participate in tantric sex with others who'd already been initiated. However, same-sex relationships weren't allowed. So for men to receive the tantric initiation, they needed to have sex with a woman who had already been with Gregorian. As such, there were a fair number of devoted couples who underwent this process. 
This perhaps fractured partnerships at times, since the woman would have to break her loyalty to her partner in order to be initiated by Gregorian. The predicament likely wouldn't have bothered Gregorian. If anything, it would have reinforced some of his teachings. He emphasized polygamy, wanting the entire community to engage in sexual openness. To outside observers, the strategy was clear. Gregorian had established a path to enlightenment that only he could authorize and facilitate. Every day he got to actualize his erotic fantasies by exploiting the devotion of his female followers. And the growth of his community was directly linked to his continued sexual gratification. Unfortunately, many people continued pouring into Misa because they enjoyed the mainstream message of his more generic yoga classes. The vast majority of people who came into contact with Misa never learned of his more unsavory teachings. As his following exploded into the thousands in 1990, Gregorian started holding Misa gatherings on the coast of the Black Sea in Kostineshti. However, these annual retreats had certain requirements. Gregorian made members submit a photo of themselves in a swimsuit, along with proof that they were free from syphilis and HIV. One might think these requirements would set off alarm bells. However, those who were seeking enlightenment didn't hesitate. That summer, members from all over Europe arrived in Kostineshti, paying money to attend. They held services together, participated in large group meditations, and attended Gregorian's lectures. His charismatic personality and the staunch devotion of other community members made it easy for newer attendees to comply with the odd rituals. The aim of these rituals was to symbolically strip members of their old selves, the ones attached to the outside world. As the retreat wore on, the rituals became more demeaning. Among the most concerning of Gregorian's practices were his beauty contests. He called them Miss Shakti competitions after the Hindu goddess. But during this contest, Gregorian wanted to find the women who, in his mind, most exemplified his own teachings. According to the Huffington Post, Gregorian had women strip in front of large crowds and have sex on stage. The winners were possibly those who displayed their sexuality most overtly. According to the Huffington Post, Misa also shot pornographic videos that were sold across various European markets, often without the participants' consent or their compensation. As word spread about the reported dealings of Misa's inner circle, the public grew worried about the group's growing popularity. By 1993, journalists had latched onto the story. A storm of public outrage was just on the horizon. Coming up, Gregorian is exposed as the government tracks Misa's crimes. Now back to the story. By 1993, Gregorian Bivolaru had used his yoga teachings to amass a large following. Tens of thousands of people showed up to Misa classes throughout Europe, seeking a path to inner peace and enlightenment. But those who had followed Gregorian deeper into his teachings found tantric rituals, perverse competitions, and manipulative sex initiations. As word got out, the press turned their scrutiny on Misa. The Romanian media began referring to Gregorian as the sex guru, 
and it was reported that his ultimate goal was to sleep with a thousand virgins. In a country with such a conservative Christian population, these media reports were abhorrent. Soon, the public reaction grew violent. According to Misa, in 1994, several men entered Gregorian's hotel room in Kostaneshti and attacked him. They struck him several times before fleeing. The following year, anonymous culprits set Gregorian's apartment on fire. The guru wasn't harmed, but everything disintegrated in the blaze. In the wake of these attacks, the silence of Romanian officials spoke volumes. They weren't interested in defending Gregorian. Several high-ranking officials held a long-simmering distrust of Gregorian. The outrage in the media gave them the fuel they needed to take him down. Law enforcement began an investigation into Misa. They tailed followers and kept tabs on Gregorian. They even harassed several Misa members, looking for incriminating information. On one occasion, they arrested four Misa members seemingly without cause. The incident caused an uproar in the international community. From the outside, it appeared that Romania was oppressing them for their religious beliefs. But despite the criticism, sordid details about Gregorian were unearthed. Officials discovered that Gregorian had sent some of his young female followers overseas to Japan, telling them they'd be participating in what he called karma yoga. In reality, they were being trafficked to generate income for Misa. The women were forced to work in strip clubs and expected to perform sexual favors for clients. All the while, Gregorian's practice carried on. By the early 2000s, the organization reached up to 10,000 members, all looking to Gregorian for guidance. But they weren't the only ones who had their eyes on him. The government's ongoing investigation had uncovered something even more concerning. Apparently, Gregorian had been recruiting girls as young as 15. He promised them the same thing as the adults, enlightenment through tantric sex. With this information circulating, the Romanian government finally felt they had enough evidence to act. On March 18, 2004, Romanian authorities stormed Misa's headquarters in Bucharest. In the massive raid, the police searched through everything, apprehending several members and confiscating countless documents and computers. Despite this treasure trove of data, the most useful information came from a 17-year-old Misa member they'd taken into custody, for her anonymity, we'll call her Mary. The authorities interrogated Mary for hours. Under pressure from investigators, she claimed to have an intimate relationship with Gregorian, which was illegal. Not only that, authorities found the relationship to be coercive. In a confiscated diary, they found detailed entries that outlined Mary's admiration and love for Gregorian. These private musings were soon leaked to the press, who ran wild with the story. Eventually, Romanian authorities caught up with Gregorian as he attempted to cross the Hungarian border. He was quickly charged of seven different crimes, including sex with a minor. The government also told the media they'd uncovered details about human trafficking and tax evasion. For many in Romania, the news of Gregorian's arrest brought them a much-needed sigh of relief. But the tens of thousands of Misa members were in utter shock. 
Gregorian's followers protested in his defense. They'd heard stories of the persecution that followed Gregorian in his early life. To them, this recent arrest was just another instance of oppression. Possibly pressured by other members of the organization, Mary came forward to distance herself from her testimony. She claimed she'd made the statements under duress and made it clear that she wouldn't willingly assist the investigation going forward. Without her cooperation, Gregorian was able to walk free for the time being. Though his other charges weren't dropped, the state didn't have grounds to hold him. They had to rebuild their case. Out of fear of an unjust trial, Gregorian used this time to flee. He quietly packed his things and left Romania in 2005. His final destination was Sweden. Once there, he filed paperwork for political asylum. Sweden granted the request, believing Gregorian's claims that he wouldn't receive a proper trial in Romania. Sweden also denied a request from the Romanian Supreme Court for extradition. This meant Gregorian couldn't be held accountable for his crimes. Safe from persecution, Gregorian changed his name and continued teaching yoga, giving in-person classes. Surprisingly, the scandals hadn't diminished his following. Meanwhile, in Romania, the prosecution pushed Gregorian's case onward. In 2013, Romania's Supreme Court found Gregorian Bivolaru guilty of having sex with a minor and was acquitted of his other charges. During the trial, others came forward, claiming to have been sexually assaulted while they were underage. One woman said that Gregorian assaulted her when she was only 15. Now at 26, she revealed the sheer number of women and girls who used to come and go out of his secluded apartments. Gregorian was sentenced to six years behind bars, but as long as he stayed in Sweden, he wouldn't be extradited to face his sentence. But in February 2016, Gregorian made a grave mistake. Emboldened by the comfort and safety he'd grown accustomed to in Sweden, 63-year-old Gregorian decided to travel to France. While there, the police arrested him, in cooperation with Romanian authorities. His apprehension drew a flurry of interest from those who both loathed and loved Gregorian. Some of his more ardent followers claimed that his capture was a violation of the Geneva Convention, since Gregorian still held asylum status in Sweden. However, his critics back home in Romania heralded the end of his perverted teachings. In July of 2016, French authorities finally extradited him to Romania, where he began serving his sentence. While in jail, Gregorian's following in Misa remained strong. Most didn't doubt that Gregorian was the victim of persecution. The chorus of supporters throughout Europe, along with questions about the evidence in the case, put pressure on the government to let Gregorian go. That might explain why authorities released Gregorian on parole on September 13, 2017, only a year and two months into his six-year sentence. Gregorian's current whereabouts are unknown, but he's wanted in Finland for sexual assault and human trafficking. Today, Misa still exists and continues to count tens of thousands of people as members. What started as a casual path to wellness had morphed, for many followers, into a sanctuary from the outside world. And while countless people have found meaning in his teachings, an untold number have been the victims of perverse and abusive practices that carried on unchecked. While Gregorian may have promised transcendence, 
His actions undermined the unifying message of yoga. He used his power as a guru to exploit those who trusted him most. Thanks again for tuning into Part 1 of Yoga Cult's Gurus and Guides. In Part 2, Lainey Hobbs, the host of Crimes of Passion, joins Vanessa to dive into the twisted story of Geshe Michael Roach and Christy McNally. If you're enjoying this special, you can find more episodes of Cults and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll see you next time. Cults is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Michael Motion, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Bruce Katovich. This episode of Cults was written by Robert Tyler Walker, with writing assistance by Lauren DeLille and Kate Gallagher, fact-checking by Adriana Romero, and research by Brian Petrus. Cults stars Greg Polson and Vanessa Richardson. Pirates. For centuries, the world has been fascinated by them. Blackbeard, Charles Vane, and Bonnie. Who were they really? Real Pirates is a new Spotify original from Parcast. Join us starting November 15th as we bring the true story of pirates to life.